0: The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au Our message today comes from Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be doing the whole of chapter 3. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me there. If not, the words will be on the screen as we go. So Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 1 and going right the way through to verse 21. These are the words of the Lord. For this reason I, Paul... as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. Oh, sorry, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, word, and we just ask of your spirit now might help us to understand what you would want us to hear, and help us to respond. Amen. Well, these winter months in Australia are a time when many Aussies embark on their great Australian road trip, the traveling holiday. And as any parent who has been on a bit of a a road trip will tell you, it's not a real road trip unless you hear this one phrase from the back seats. Say it louder, Jake. Are we there yet? yet? I'm sure we've all heard it. I mean, it's ridiculous sometimes when it comes. We might only be, say, 30 minutes into an eight-hour journey. Are we there yet? No, we'll let you know when we're getting close. But this thinking of, are we there yet? Of arriving before the destination. It isn't limited to kids on road trips. It can happen in a Christian life too. Christians can fall into the trap of thinking they've already arrived at their destination. It's sort of like being on a road trip heading for Cairns and, and stopping at bribing getting out, having this stretch and go. Ah, we're here. It's crazy. When it comes to comprehending the power of God and knowing his love for us in the deepest, most intimate of ways, Christians must go the full journey. In our passage, Paul's prayer for the Ephesians is that they would see the road trip itself. As part of the holiday. And as we go through this morning, you might like to ask yourself, do I think I'm there yet? Do I think I've already arrived? We're going to approach our our reading in two parts this morning. See, chapter 3 is a prayer from Paul for the Ephesian believers, but it's a prayer that has a false start. In verse 1 of chapter 3, Paul starts his prayer, but in less than a sentence into it, he seems to go off into a tangent. And like all good tangents, it does relate to what Paul has already been saying, but it also relates to what he's going to pray for the Ephesian church. The tangent we find in verses 2 to 13. and The tangent is that God's grace is active. The gracious gift of God is to be a gracious gift from God. And in these verses, verses two to thirteen, Paul uses the word mystery three times. We have it recorded four times in our English version. The fourth time in verse six is where Paul implies the mystery. A mystery refers to something that is hidden, that is something that is beyond our own human ability to discover on our own. The mystery of the gospel of Jesus is actually a mystery that's been hidden in plain sight. It's also a mystery that has been revealed by God. It's like watching an Agatha Christie murder mystery on TV. You know the truth is right there in front of you, but you can't discover it on your own. You need Miss Markle or Poirot to come along and reveal what has been hidden. Reveal the truth that has been right in front of your eyes, hidden in plain sight. Jesus did this with some of the disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. He opened the scriptures to them. He revealed the mystery that was hidden in plain sight, the mystery about himself. If the mystery of God is to be understood by people, God must reveal it. And praise God, he has. The mystery that Paul is addressing here is the same as what he was saying in chapter 2. So the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body with the Jews. And they are partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We see that in verse 6. And this mystery of oneness with God and oneness with his people, by God's grace through Jesus, was revealed to Paul by God. Verses 3 to 5 explain that. And they become the message of grace that Paul will share with the Gentile world in particular. Look with me at verses 7 to 9. Paul says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Here we see that God's grace remains active. As one commentator puts it, the gift always comes as a task. Grace always brings responsibility. It never is merely privilege. To receive grace is to be taken into its service. Grace connects, enlists, and empowers. It will not allow us to be passive, for it is God's power at work in us. The mystery of God's grace through Jesus Christ, uniting us to God and to one another, has not been revealed to us only for us to keep it hidden. It's not something we write down on a piece of paper and tuck it into our sock. The mystery of the gospel is the message for the church, but it's also the message of the church. The gospel should so take hold of us that it shows in us and through us The purpose of it, Paul says in verse 10, is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, another way of saying or understanding this phrase, the manifold wisdom of God, might be to say the many-coloured wisdom of God or the many-faceted wisdom of God. We I mean, imagine Huge diamond, crystal clear and beautifully cut. Imagine all its varieties of angles and edges. Now, imagine the different ways you could look at that diamond and see the, the beautiful colors as the light passes in it and through it. Can you see the beauty? With each new angle comes another expression of colour and beauty. That is what the church is to be. But if I'm honest, I'm not confident that the church actually stacks up. Sometimes we feel more like a raw stone, cloudy and scratched rather than this beautiful diamond that we're supposed to be? If this is the case, then how can the church be the means through which the manifold wisdom of God is made known? Friends, Paul gives us the answer. He gives it in verses 14 to 19. And God's power, friends, And his love are hands-on. Paul tells us that God's power is working power. It's not just potential power. Verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened Friends, the answer is that through God's Spirit, Christ dwells in us, both individually and corporately. You see in verses 16 and 17, the individual aspect of Christ dwelling. That is, through His Spirit in your innermost being, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Verse 18 shows us how it's collectively, Paul says, with all the saints. Jesus dwelling in us by his spirit is the foundation from which our unity is built. And it's the root from which our maturity grows. And how does the spirit build us and grow us into maturity and unity? Well, firstly, by enabling us to comprehend the power of God. And secondly, by enabling us to know the love of Christ. Although the power of God is not specified as the subject of our comprehension in verse 18, the correspondence between this prayer and Paul's prayer in chapter 1, verses 15 to 23 helps us to identify the power of God as the subject of this 4D comprehension that that we are to have. Paul also points to the power of God in verse 20 of our passage. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all all that we ask or think, according to the power at work in us. What does it mean to comprehend the breadth, length, height, and depth of God's power? Well, to comprehend something is to have a grasp of it, mentally, to understand it. But behind the word here, there's also a sense of receiving. Not just taking, receiving. In Philippians 3.12, Paul puts it this way. He says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. It's like getting in a monkey grip with someone. You grab hold of their wrist, but you also enable them and allow them to grab hold of yours to comprehend the power of God through the presence of his spirit in us. To understand and take hold of it, we need to allow it to take hold of us. And we do this through the Bible and through prayer. See, the Bible shows us what God, who God is and what he's on about. And when we read it, we should be finding ourselves saying, I want to be on about that too. And it should find us praying, Lord, would you be on about that in me and through me? If we do this, the Holy Spirit will lead us to pray in 4D, to be on about God's work. Praying for God to be powerfully at work in the lives of us and those around us through physical healing. Praying for God to be powerfully at work By breaking the power of substance addictions, of pornography addictions, and addictions to abusive and unhealthy relationships. Praying for God to be breaking the temptations and sins that are destroying our communities. Praying for God to be binding the spiritual powers in this world and freeing people to be able to see Jesus for who he truly is. We're not just to comprehend the 4D power of God. Verse 19 says that we're also to know the surpassing love of Christ as well. Here we see, the love of Jesus Christ is not just for our head space, it's for our heart space as well. Kids, could you imagine getting a new bike for your birthday? Or maybe... Maybe a a DVD or a computer game. Now, could you imagine having this bike and just putting it stand down and leaving it sit in the garage? Or just putting the DVD or the video game on the shelf and leaving it there? That would be crazy, right? So these gifts are designed to be used. They're designed with a purpose in mind. We're supposed to be hands-on with them. So we need to get hands-on with God's love as well and allow God's love to get hands-on with us. And again, this is done individually and collectively by prayer and participation. When something is causing you to doubt God's love, you be it for the first time, Or the 31st time Individually, can I encourage you to pray that God would show you his love and open your Bible, maybe to the, the gospel or the letters of John, and allow the Spirit of God to remind you of his love for you. And collectively, this would look like telling people that God loves them, showing people that God loves them, stocking freezers with meals, filling a community pantry with food, listening to people's hurts, feeling people's hurts, and praying that God might in some way use you and work through you to relieve their hurts and support them in their suffering. Friends, if we are to know the love of Christ, that surpasses knowledge. We need to get hands-on with it and allow God's love to get hands-on in us, with us, and through us. Paul describes this as being filled to the fullness of God. And that's our destination. So let me ask you, Are we there yet as a church? Boy, I hope not. Church, there's more building to go. We have more to grow individually and collectively of those who are indwelt by the Spirit of God. This begs the question, How might you get more hands-on individually and collectively with the power and love of God this week? How might you allow the power and love of God to get hands-on with you and through you? Let me say, if you haven't let God's love get hands-on with you yet, Can I encourage you to pray now as as I pray? Pray with me. Pray that God might come and get hands on through his power, that his love would get hands on with you. This is something you can do in your own words. Just talk with God and share with him what's on your heart. If that's an opportunity that you do take, I'd love to have a chat with you. You can get in contact with me through the website. My details are there. Getting hands-on with God and allowing God to get hands-on with you. As we do this, church, that raw stone, that scratched and cloudy stone will be made wisdom of God will be shown to the world around us. Let me pray. A loving Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is that your wisdom might be made known to the rulers and powers in the heavenly places. That your love and power might be made known in and through us to this world. And Lord, we we're so humbled that this would be the case. But Father, we acknowledge that this is not by our doing. Not I, but Christ in me. Lord, we're honest that we know ourselves as individuals and as a church, we know that we are just on our own that, that rough stone. But we give you praise and we thank you that your Holy Spirit has been given to us so that Christ might dwell in us to change us, to take this cloudy rough stone and to make it this beautifully cut and polished crystal-clear diamond. Father, we acknowledge that we are not there yet, and we will not be whilst we walk this earth. So we pray that you would, through your Holy Spirit, take us and use us, get hands-on with us and through us, we pray, for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.